0: If you've ever been hurt, injured, or basically delayed from your current workout program, or even your activity daily, uh, activities of daily living, you know how frustrating that can be. In this episode, I sat down with Cece, and we're talking about basically returning to play from an injury. Some of the things to be aware of, how to advocate for yourself, um, and how to approach things maybe a little bit differently so that you can get back into action as soon as possible and come back even stronger than when you left. As a reminder, these episodes are brought to you by RDF Training Products and Programs. Please visit RDFTrainOnline.com for more information. That's RDFTrainOnline.com. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in and health. Fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School meets New School, tradition meets innovation, and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. So, in your experience, CC, what's the uh, what do you think the biggest challenge people have uh, in overcoming like a, an injury or some type of stoppage because of some, whether it's acute or cumulative? In their training program or whatever athletic event they're they're competing in, what's the biggest hang up that they need to overcome first before getting back into action?
1: Mm, that's a good question because um, in my experience. You know, I've been in a couple of different venues as far as as a professional um, my, in my background as a certified athletic trainer working at the University of Tennessee with women's athletics. Um, th- the biggest challenge was holding the athletes back because they would sustain an injury and it was, OK, so when are you going to put me in? When can I play? And as part part of my job is being on the medical staff is um putting the reins on them because of their drive to compete and their, their desire to get back and be a part of that team setting. That's me. (laughs) That's you. That's me. That's me now.
0: Right. (laughs) It's generally, well, I like to think I'm a little different now. Like I've learned my lessons a time or two, but that that was me. Like put me in coach. I don't want to ride the pine. Mm -hmm. Like I'm ready to go. I'm fine.
1: Yeah. Because then they have this, some of them have this mindset as far as if I'm not out there participating, then I'm just holding everybody back. Yeah. It's
0: weird though, too. Like I remember um, in my experience, both as an athlete, but also as a coach and working with even some professional athletes, particularly like in the NHL world uh, it's a different man. It's a, it's kind of a different mindset there for a long time. And I think it's changing a little bit. I think it's getting a little bit different, but I think the culture it's a blue collar culture. It comes from a certain part mm-hmm. of the world, the U.S. You know, like these are these are some some tough dudes, right? They come from some tough places where the attitude is, if I'm not suffering, I'm not working hard mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. Uh, which obviously can be very problematic. But to be a double edged sword. Sword. Yes, yeah, so you're talking about like the dialing back piece. is like, no, I need to get back into mm-hmm. it. Uh, I mean, what's the compare and contrast there, though?
1: As far as that's not saying, everybody. Yeah, I mean, no, I, it's not everybody. I
0: mean, that's certainly not the case for I think if I had to I was gonna make a blanket statement like the majority of America now is soft as hell. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> or at least appears as soft as hell. At least the people that are that the, 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 to be fair, it's the people with the, the loudest voice of the platform to kind of put the voice out there. You know, it's. It's uh, let's make sure we're taking care of everybody's of uh, emotional needs here. Ball, well, there's a lot of people out there know we need to work harder. We need to get back to work, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. So I guess my I take that statement back and say it seems like a lot of America is very soft now and is having a tough time getting back into the swing or the norm, whether that's working, going back to work, doing whatever. So what's the compare and contrast against the athlete who's driven and maybe is pushing Pushing mm-hmm. the envelope a little quick or throttling up a little fast to the other, the other side.
1: So I want to come back to that at, at some point as far as the athlete. Um, but as far as the contrast to that would be, um, the individual where, um, they're unsure as far as what to do. Maybe number one, when they're, when they have sustained an injury, um, as far as where do I start? How do I start? And then the other mindset might be, I'm afraid. Of of hurting myself more, or I'm afraid that it's gonna hurt if I move it.
0: Yeah. So I think that might be like the if you've never pushed yourself, then you have no idea you your your threshold or your what hurts versus doesn't hurt or mm-hmm. what's painful versus not painful on a scale of one to ten. You know, your my two might be your ten.
1: Yep. Pain you know, is very subjective,
0: very subjective. So how do they learn that? Mm-hmm. So I get that and versus the athlete who's like, every time I go out on the field and go through a series of plays or the court or whatever, I get quote unquote hurt. Like mm-hmm. it, this hurts it's kind of part of the, part of the thing, but now where do I draw the line with hurt versus injured yep. um, and, and come back? So, yeah. So you said mindset, you ended there on mindset. So mindset I think is like understanding your, your pain threshold, but there might be a couple more pieces to that.
1: As far as mindset. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, understanding your pain threshold, but then your experience as far as growing up, what kind of um, experiences have you, have you had to overcome, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional. Um, I mean, you know. What challenges in life have you had to deal with to get somewhere that you wanted to get? And there's all these roadblocks or obstacles in your way and having to overcome that to then get to your goal or get to your end point. So, um, yeah, going, going back to mindset, um, it's very, it's, it's very, um, personal and experiential, I think. So, and then I think for some people, they either they've got it or they don't. Either you are tough as nails or you're just a little soft and you haven't had to experience a whole lot of adversity. And so you don't know what it's like to experience challenges or experience some discomfort.
0: Yeah, being uncomfortable. Yeah, Yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing, right? So going back to the athlete, I imagine you know, working in the collegiate level. And you're talking about tier one athletes. Oh, I'm talking about
1: tier one athletes where, you know, back in the day, this isn't cool now, but back in the day where, you know, a coach would, you know, have the athletes run lines until every single athlete puked. And until everybody puked, they kept going. (laughs) I'm laughing because
0: I've been there. Yeah, I remember those days. And uh, yeah, because uh, we're not done. You live and die as a team, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, I'm I'm chuckling because, you know, it was a, it was a learning experience. It's a character builder. Uh, again, you can't, it's tough to get away with that stuff anymore, but you know, again, you're talking about tier one athletes that, that even on just talent alone, couldn't get to where they're at, right. Or continue mm-hmm. down the path. So they, they understand how to stuff. They understand what hard work is. They understand what it's like to run liners and puke. Oh, for sure. Right. And, but, and, you know, and then you have also the coaches that are, that are that person mm-hmm. that, like if I'm going to drive you to run until you puke, that's because I'm tough as nails and I'm going to push you. And again, expectations. there could be like a, an overcompensation. There is a lot of stuff, but there's an expectation that, uh, you know, I heard we've heard this one before. There's two different types of people in the world, right? There's winners and there's losers. And every time we take the field, uh you're you're. Our goal is to be a winner. Yeah. And if you're not a winner, then you're a loser. Yeah. And if your parents or your teacher or your grandma or whoever is telling you that you're a winner when you lose, then they're a loser. No. Right. So there's like this there's a mindset piece. And again, there's there's um, I, I think there's value in that. Right. I think there's value that can be extracted when put in the right context in the right kind of way. And I do. I do agree with that. I do teaching, you know, teaching kids specifically, but teaching people that uh, winning is important. And, and learning from losing is important too. Absolutely. And that being a consistent loser isn't okay. It's just <laughs> not okay. So going back to the injury, pers- injury thing and people coming back in, you were talking about mindset and having confidence to overcome things. If you haven't been challenged before, knowing where to start or even pushing yourself to, to learn where to start is going to be often different than the person that, uh, that is like, look, I've been hurt before it's I've been down this path before yeah. and I'm choosing not to be hurt anymore. That doesn't mean I can make the injury go away, but I'm choosing to push through to get to the other side so that I can resume my level of activity, my athletic event, whatever is important for me to do, whether that's, you know, as an amateur athlete or a recreational athlete or not even an athlete at all, just to get through my daily, my, my activities of daily living. I'm choosing to get better Mm -hmm. versus and I recognize that I have to be responsible for this
1: instead of being a victim to what's happening with their body
0: and expecting somebody else to take care of it Mm -hmm. for me. Which going back to the soft, uh, let's just be honest, uh, we are soft collectively as a society and we've become dependent Right. We've become dependent on a system. We've been we we've stopped asking questions. We're just like, give me the mm-hmm. pill. Give me mm-hmm. the answer. Give me the surgery. Uh, give me whatever it is that's going to make this this pain Instant go gratification. away. Instant gratification go away. So I think mindset is probably. Whether it's the biggest challenge for somebody, it depends on their background and where they're coming from. Uh, and then but at the same time, as you suggested, it could be a double edged sword like you might need to pump the brakes here, mm-hmm. dude, like. Mm-hmm. You just had a total or a complete ACL tear Yep,
1: or a total knee replacement. Right.
0: Right. This is not something that you can just will back to back to life in, you know, three months. Mm -hmm. Right. This is something that's going to take time and getting somebody to overcome the well, this is you're not returning to play this year. You know, we're going to do our very, very best to get you on the field or the court or whatever next year or get you back to this thing next year. You need to settle into the long term process and you need to apply that mindset you had to your how you train for your sport how you're going to train to get,
1: to get better. Exactly. Because as an athletic trainer and working with athletes, your goal is to get that individual back to functionality, but get them better than where they were when they hurt themselves.
0: Yeah. Which is a stark contrast to somebody who's never had to do that, who doesn't have that mindset. And now you have to try to create or, or uh, influence that mindset to be like that, um, to overcome the very first injury they've ever had or whatever. And they have no kind of foundation or background and going back to what you just said there, I think it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was Peyton Manning who speaking of university of Tennessee, Tennessee, speaking of university of Tennessee, you were there, you guys were there at the same time actually. So
1: I think it was his senior year as I was starting at the university of Tennessee, um, in grad school.
0: For PhD?
1: so that was for my master's. Oh, I was masters. At, at Tennessee for about five or six years. So I got my master's and then I got my PhD right, there. Right. Okay. So yep. that's right. And working as an athletic trainer the entire time.
0: He's a little older than you and I, maybe a little bit. No, actually no. he's younger. Yeah. He's, he's younger. younger. Yeah. He's, he's younger. younger. <laughs> um, he's a little younger. The point of this was, is he was talking about when he went down, he had a, he had a neck injury and, he, and mm-hmm. he, he basically had to take a year off. He said he came back from that injury stronger. He, the the best athlete he's ever been because at no point in his life did he ever have to do that. Uh, He never took time off. It was Mm -hmm. just one season to the next recovery, recover recover from the one season, move into the next Mm -hmm. season, kind of always being in pain, always dealing with this or that. And, and because he had to to sit down and he had to re re, uh, rewire his mindset about how to get through the injury. He came back the strongest athlete, the stronger athlete than he ever was. And we all know how he finished his career. He's going to be, he's a hall of famer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So again, mindset being the biggest piece, but the the pieces that you've la- layered in there, the, no matter where you are on that spectrum are having a knowledge or an awareness on what to do next. Even mm-hmm. if you can get over the like, okay, I'm a little bit afraid or I'm a little bit over uh, ambitious here and getting back into trying to rehabilitate or trying to get back into my activity, whatever it is. Um, And the awareness piece, I think, is the next piece for me. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the next biggest piece. Like, do you know what's going on here? Do you have a strong understanding?
1: I think that's a huge piece right there, because I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with some of our clients here. They will, um, you know, share that they're going through some kind of injury or, or they have something going on with their body. And they've gone to see their GP, their general practitioner. And I'll ask them, okay, so do you have an appointment set up with an ortho? And they'll say, no, the general practitioner, you know, they want to send me to physical therapy. And so I think I might go ahead and do that first. And so my thing is, you know what? You just went and saw a general practitioner. You don't really know what's happening, let's just say, with your shoulder I think you should go get it evaluated at a little deeper level by somebody that deals with the shoulder on an everyday basis. Like that is their job. And even within orthopedics, orthopedic specialists specialize in certain aspects of the body as well. So, I mean, you can go see an orthopedic, but you don't want to necessarily want to see an orthopedic that just deals with ankles or knees on an everyday basis. There are orthopedics out there that deal with the shoulder specifically. So um, go and see them and then see what they have to say. And if you need extra testing, special testing, as far as, you know, an MRI, then go for an MRI, but ask questions and don't just go to the first health practitioner and accept their answer and say that that is, that's what's going on because you don't necessarily know.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of, I'm challenged and I've been challenged in a few different ways in what you just said. The first thing is you've mentioned the word GP. Um, there, there's another, um, that acronym represents something else for me and that's the Google practitioner. So that's the person (laughs) who has some type of pain or discomfort goes to Google and then basically finds the thing that fits them the best Mm -hmm. in their mind. And they've decided this is me.
1: Yeah, that's so dangerous. Uh,
0: they've come in, Well, this is my problem. They have no medical Well, background. how do you know? Because it has all of this stuff yeah. and I have all this stuff and they, they've turned it in. They, now they've. They've diagnosed, they're self-diagnosed as this is my problem. Uh, And then they tell you all the reasons it's like that and all all the things. And they've not had any professional look at it at all. So the Google practitioner, I think, is the worst kind of person you can be in front of because now you have to unwind that mindset and and talk to them about what you just said. Well, I think you need to go see somebody else. Well, then they go to their general practitioner. And that general practitioner generally knows a lot about medicine and the human body. And you mentioned, mentioned sending them from the general practitioner's office to the physical therapist's office. Now, this is the way I understand physical therapy to work, particularly in the state of California. The physical therapists in the state of California, and I don't know how this is everywhere else. And that's not to say they're not capable. I'm just saying this is the protocol. The physical therapists don't diagnose, right? They they don't. I they, think
1: they. I think that they can legally,
0: that, but they're getting a they're getting a prescription for right. for. For uh,
1: for, for rehabilitation, rehabilitation or,
0: mm-hmm. or treatment of some kind from a general practitioner with no diagnosis, oftentimes, and this is this is my point. Not every time, but when people come to us and go, well, you know, I'm <clears throat> my ch- my doctor said I should stop doing this activity for mm-hmm. six to eight weeks and let it get better. And we've talked about this on the show before. Cool. What's the diagnosis? Well, I don't really know. Let's go back to awareness. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? Well, he said my rotator cuff is strained. Mm-hmm. What is strained? No, my rotator cuff. Okay. Well, your rotator cuff is a, is a series of muscles that do a very specific thing within your body. Which one? Well, he didn't tell me that. Well, what's the treatment? Well, he gave me an anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. right? Um. Uh, so I've got this like you know, 800 or Motrin or whatever it is, or Tylenol and and Motrin that I'm, that I'm taking to knock down the pain. And he gave me a prescription to physical therapy. So I'm going to go see the physical therapist. So when you went to the physical therapist, what did the physical therapist do? Well, the physical therapist, when I, when I got in there, asked a few questions, put some heat on there, uh, you know, got, got some E-stim going to get my muscles to relax a little bit, took me through a few exercises then gave me this piece of paper and walked out and told me I should do these exercises and I'm going to go see him in two weeks. The point of this is, is there is a very low, if any level of awareness to what the actual problem is. You have shoulder pain. That's not a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's an assessment. Mm-hmm. You, you have shoulder pain. Why do you have yeah, shoulder getting pain? Getting back to the root cause. So again, creating awareness. If you're going to return to exercise or return to play or return to activity, You need to understand what is going on and why you feel the pain you have. Oftentimes people wind up in the doctor's office, Mm -hmm. the physical therapist's office, because they have pain. Uh, Going back to the athlete, a lot of times they'll just ignore that pain, right? They finally wind up like when the pain is reached, go go back to that scale of 10 and my Mm -hmm. two is, or, you know, my two is your 10. Oftentimes athletes wind up in there when it's just so bad, they can't do yeah. anything anymore.
1: Absolutely. And it's usually they've waited weeks and weeks before they come to you. Yeah. Or or longer. So, I mean, my weeks could be months, but they'll wait forever until they absolutely need to say something.
0: So bottom line is you have to understand why that's being created. And oftentimes, um, you know, again, we've talked about the shoulder, the complexity in the shoulder as, you know, one of the more complex joints. It's not fragile, it's just complex. We, mm-hmm. we treat a lot of times it's treated like super fragile. Um, but at the same time, on the flip side of that, we're abusing the shit out of it, you know, on a daily basis. So, you know, in our activity did uh, activities, of daily living, or even in the gym with some of the things that we do, or, you know, what we do is an occupation or within our sport or whatever else it's, it's susceptible when we're not taking care of it. Not right? being mindful, Yeah. My point of that is, is diagnosing exactly what the, what's causing the pain in your shoulder can be a real, real challenge. Three minutes on the table, you know, at the general practitioner's office, that's not a real great way to assess what's going on. So what you're saying is go at it from a deeper, a deeper level so that you have a higher level of awareness. Mm -hmm. The higher level of awareness is going to come from now let's get a diagnosis again, shoulder pain, anterior shoulder pain, posterior shoulder pain, medial shoulder pain, uh, not a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're getting a treatment plan with that assessment, with no diagnosis, you need to be questioning that. Mm -hmm. So you need to self-advocate for yourself and go, well, what is my actual problem? Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes that might come with, well, we think it's this, which is fine, But why do we think this returning to play or returning to exercise? We have mindset, right? We have the awareness piece. Like what is your problem? Um, And having a high level of awareness of that problem, because just because let's say you have a tear uh, let's say, again, let's go back to that rotator cuff situation. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. what is torn? Subscapularis is torn. Supraspinatus Mm -hmm. is is Mm -hmm. torn. Something's torn, right? Okay. There are ways to treat that. And, and, there are ways to work through that. And to what level are we talking like it's, it's torn. How did we diagnose that? Do we do that through uh, like manual manipulation and through manual muscle muscle testing, testing? or do we go through some type of a deeper level diagnostic, like a MRI MRI. Um, also understanding going back to awareness that even an MRI can't tell us everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, if you have a knee thing is a, here's an example, like, um, I mean, you could you could provide these, these personal examples with your own knees. And I've had plenty of experience with clients or whatever else where they do manual testing, right. Joint manipulation, manual muscle testing. And they go, yeah, you have a meniscus tear. It's probably a medial meniscus tear. Um, Here's why we think that you're, you're basically uh, reporting what, you know, during this test, which 95% of the time it's this um, we do, or we don't recommend surgery. If we do, we go and we do these things we're going to do an mri to confirm mm-hmm. but this is probably what you have even when they do an mri they never fully know what the situation is until they get inside. in there yep. until they're in- actually inside yep.
1: and and you have a great story with that as far as with your daughter right and her knees
0: yeah we had a very we were treating it very conservatively a, mm-hmm. a a meniscus tear we were treating very conservatively based on a couple of different Diagnosis mm-hmm. is by different doctors. Yep. We went, I
1: even got my hands on right. her as So well.
0: there were, there were no less than four people that got their hands mm-hmm. on her. They went through, there was an MRI. So there was film. We had uh, two orthopedic surgeons have a look at that film. Yep. Basically the report was, came back and we were like, they are both said, Hey, we can treat this conservatively. It wasn't getting better. I mean, all the basic stuff that we were doing wasn't yep. getting better. So that's another part is like, mm-hmm. once you've had this diagnosis and you try a particular treatment, also checking in to make sure that you're getting the result that you need from this particular treatment before returning to play yep. or returning to exercise or whatever it happens to be. But there needs to be an action plan. Mm-hmm. We got in there and then ultimately it wasn't getting better. And so we, when we finally did choose a, a surgeon to get in there, he went in there and he's like, man, he goes, I'm glad we did this. It's no wonder she's been feeling so much pain. It looked mm-hmm. like a grenade went off in there mm-hmm. and there wasn't the MRI didn't show any of that. Yeah. So that high level of awareness of what it exactly is you're dealing with helps you, helps your practitioner, helps your coach, whoever it is that you're working with. Start to come up or formulate a plan mm-hmm. that can help you, but also gives you a basis to check back exactly. to know what's going on. Exactly. So, so we talked about mindset. We talked about the sort of the fear factor. Mm-hmm. We talked about a high, having a high level of awareness and I think this is more, more than ever with the modern healthcare system, the way it is, and we'll call it, you know, we'll, we'll call it management, not care anymore. That's the way I look at it. You're going to be put through a system and they're going to probably do the bare ass minimum and spend the least amount of money on you to give you some type of pain relief. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming into this, whether you're an advanced athlete or somebody that's been very active and knows how to deal with pain and has been through this situation before or you're brand new to this, understand that oftentimes in our, in our current care system, you're just going to be given something to mask the pain or put a Band-Aid you on You have it.
1: to be your own advocate.
0: You, do, you really do.
1: You know, so um, when I knew that my, my knees were really starting to bother me this year and um, I knew I had a torn meniscus in, in each knee. Um, so I went and I saw a couple orthos because I honestly thought I needed to have surgery. And as it turns out, um, you know, what ortho doesn't want to, to cut, but you know, I think these yeah, your, orthos, your point is it's like they get paid yeah, to,
0: to get the knives, to cut. the knives out. And right. both
1: of these orthos were like, you know, um, let's go the conservative route and, um, what was I going to say? Oh, they, they both diagnosed me with osteoarthritis and we did films and all of that MRIs and whatnot. But I have to say, as far as um, the, the pain management or the care, healthcare care management, um, I was really surprised that when I went to one ortho before I could get an MRI, they told me I had to take a prescription and I had to try this prescription for however many weeks first before I could go and get my MRI. And I was like, but what if I don't want to take that? Because I know what that's going to do to my gut. I know what that's going to do to my microbiome in my body. Like, um, and I have to process that through my liver and my kidneys. And it's not that I don't believe in that stuff, but at the same time, like I'd been managing my pain the way I'd been managing it and it wasn't to the point where I was so extreme that I was crawling or, taking you know, I you couldn't walk right or taking me out of out of work. But at the same time, like I was being told, you have to take this before we can order this and that. take this before we can order the MRI.
0: Yeah, it's wrong. It's like if you're not going to play ball, then we're not going to help you, which means you're going to play ball with big pharma or you're not getting the next level, which is us charging the insurance company a shit ton of money to, to do mm-hmm. MRI or, you know, create films on your knee mm-hmm. um, where, so everybody's got to get paid first before mm-hmm. you get helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a big part of the problem with coming out of an injury and seeking help to then get back in, cause it just delays the process. Mm-hmm. And again, no, no pharmaceutical company, no surgeon, no. And I, and I'm not saying there's the, the that that they're the doctors are bad but no surgeon no no pharmaceutical company no insurance co- or no uh you know um uh radiologists or any of that none of them make fucking money none of them make money when you handle this shit outside of of outside of their offices
1: outside, outside yeah. of
0: those offices yeah. and you're not claiming it on your insurance none of them make money so they there's no benefit in them giving you some alternative treatment uh period End of story. So, when you're seeking these alternative treatments, you need to again self advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I know that was a battle for you. I remember you being really frustrated and fired up. I think I even took some of that heat a couple <laughs> of those times coming back from from that dude. Uh, but the, the point of that is, is that that level of awareness of what you're going to get yourself into. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you are injured and you're trying to return back to play, you know, and again, I'm just using that as an as an expression. You need to understand what you're going to have to go through from a system perspective if you choose that system route. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you, in my this is not to take. I know a lot of great surgeons that take insurance. Like I know a lot of good orthos, I know a lot of good GPS, uh, a lot of great docs healthcare out there, healthcare practitioners. Pr- practitioners that take insurance. But I'll tell you, the ones that always help, that I find always help our clients, help me, help my friends the best, are the ones that take cash. <laughs> right? The ones that I can call up that I, you know, I'm not stuck in a Kaiser mm-hmm. system or something like that, where I have to go through this process um, that I can call up and go, Hey, I need to die. you know, I need to see you. I need to, I need to get some help here. And they're always going to provide options for you versus this is what it is. Like when you walk in, I'm not getting the, well, you have this insurance, you have this problem, you're this age, uh, you're in this area, even like you're in this zip code, zip code. right? you get this option. This is what you get. It's, uh, you're, you're siloed automatically. Now you're stuck in that and getting out of it, getting into it's one thing, getting out of it's a whole other thing. Uh, but as you, as you see these other folks are like, Hey, here's your options. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do these one or two or three things, whatever they happen to be. Um, let me help you. And then they'll refer if they need to, mm-hmm. to the next person. Those are the people that always help me the best. And I think America or people or really active people want to be in front of this so that when they wind up in a situation where they are hurt, they use the system for what they can use the system for, but have these alternatives to get them back to play, mm-hmm. right? And have this team or this village of people that doesn't necessarily work within the confines of the system because it allows them an open flexibility, s- right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. To make choices. And, you know, you're talking about the practitioners that that help people the most are the ones that take cash. But at the same time, those are the practitioners where they will sit down with you. They have a good bedside manner. Absolutely. Whatever happened to bedside manner. I I, I mean, the last time that I I can say that I walked in with my daughter for a doctor's appointment, um, it's you meet the receptionist and then somebody takes you to the back and then somebody else comes in, they do vitals and then the doctor comes in and it's like five minutes. It's a factory. Yeah. Yeah, It's a factory. And then you're in and you're out.
0: And look, those offices Those receptionists, those doctors are in a tough spot, given the way the system is. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But the reality of is if you're trying to get back to play, you tell me, does that sound like a good situation for you? Probably not. So once we get, we need to get you in a position where we understand what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Um, Stay away from the self-diagnosis, you know, get, get, and, and again, if you are a, practitioner in that realm or whatever, and you have a deeper level of knowledge that might be a little bit different, but get some help, get hands on from somebody. Somebody gets hands on you, helps you with the diagnosis to give you exactly or as close to what we feel with, with, with a reasonable, within reasonable doubt, we feel like we understand what this issue is. Then there has to be an organized return to play plan. Mm -hmm. It, It can't be, well, Sometimes there's some randomization in there as we're kind of testing around and and figuring out what might work. But based on the diagnosis, there should be an organized return to play. Now, while that's all happening, depending on the level of the injury, if it's a head injury, it might be a different Mm -hmm. deal. You got a concussion, maybe you can't do the things I'm about to suggest. But let's go back to the shoulder, right, or the knee. All right, it's a shoulder, it's a knee. The rest of your body works fine, right? So, Let's get you in a situation where you can continually train the rest of your body, Mm -hmm. your brain, you know, your cardiovascular system, your health, keep you moving while working around, not and through the issue that you have, not ignoring it, Mm -hmm. not leaving it alone and expecting it Mm -hmm. to get to just get better. But let's figure out a way to modify the current program that you're on to make this uh, work for you and still get benefit from, uh, the time that you're down. Absolutely. And a lot of times I like going back to the, the Peyton Manning, uh, example, like he's like, dude, I came out of the best, you know, the strongest, most fit athlete I've ever, I've ever come because I did do those things. Like Mm -hmm. I could my neck was a mess, but the rest of my body, it made me slow down. It made me readdress, reassess what I was doing. And I came back stronger as a result that's a mindset piece. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. That's, a,
0: Absolutely. that's a mindset. What can I do? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is stopping me from doing these other things. The first thing in your head, I, I really, I really feel like is what can I do? And then what should I do? Mm-hmm. Because just because you can, doesn't, yep. doesn't, mean, doesn't mean you should, doesn't mean you should do it. Uh, so maybe we could talk a little bit of, uh, uh, about the cans like, um, And that being like, okay, you've got these specific injuries. It's, it's an ankle, it's a knee, it's a shoulder, you know, whatever. What are the things that I I can be thinking about doing in the gym? And obviously it's a little bit of a loaded question because Mm -hmm. it depends on your, on your activity, but maybe from a generalization piece, um, maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Okay. So like, as you're, again, let's just say like you have the knee injury, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's going to prevent you from doing some stuff. Mm -hmm. What are the things that you can be doing to support And if you're a runner, you know, or Mm -hmm. what your activity involves running, what are things that you can be doing to remedy the knee? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Assuming we've got a diagnosis on Mm -hmm. it. Right. And we know exactly Mm -hmm. what to be doing specific to the knee or not to the knee uh, to get better. But with the rest of the body, um, in a workout program to get to to, somebody can benefit by and maybe potentially come out stronger than they went in.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. So. You know, like you said, it's all going to be dependent on what's happening with an individual. You mentioned the knee and let's say they are a runner. So while they might not be able to do pounding activities, go outside and run. I mean, there's the bike. Bike is a great tool to get cardiovascular training. Um, And then there's also, you know, the skier or the rower. So you can still get full body movement. You can still get a lot of exertion, get your heart rate up, respiratory rate up, and you're not having the constant pounding of the pavement or the treadmill. Um, You know, one of the things with strengthening and, and rehabilitation is you know, working the joints above and below the site of injury, in addition to the muscles that support that structure that um, is injured. So, you know, with the knee, you have your glutes and your hips, and then below the knee, you have your um, calf muscles and your ankle. So, um, you know, the lower leg muscles that help you to propel yourself forward uh, with the push off uh, with a gait. So there's that. And then there's your quadriceps. So there are exercises out there. I mean, we have the, our clients doing, um, this in, in the studio, you know, they're called terminal knee extension. So it's a very safe, um, exercise where you're really contracting the quads. You're doing it with intent. Um, but you can still work on getting a good quad contraction. And then there's other, you know, you can still do possibly deadlifts. Um, you could possibly still work on, you know, some, e step downs where, you know, it's on a, a short box, not a very high box. So where you're still having to really think about getting your hips engaged and your glutes engaged for that easy step down. And as if that's pain free and you're not having any swelling afterwards, you can always increase the height of the box and working on controlled movement patterns. Um, so there's a variety of things that can be done. It's just knowing what you're dealing with and then having somebody on your team to help create that plan and then help you execute that plan um, in a safe and effective way so that you can still maintain your strength, maintain mobility or if not increase your mobility you can work on that you know um, when you're when you're injured as well. So um, just because you have an injury, doesn't mean stop. It means we need to think about doing things differently until you've recovered and you've gotten better and maybe stronger in some cases um, while you're dealing with that, that particular issue.
0: Yeah. I think there is with the mindset piece and understanding, you know, again, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of and being willing to test yes. the boundaries and understanding that, you know, testing means overdoing it on occasion. It also means, um, learning that new threshold. So whether you're, you know, you're, you, you pushed a little far today. So tomorrow, oh man, you know, like, I feel like I took a little bit of a setback there. I'm feeling pain again, or I've got a little bit of inflammation there. Okay. Well, at least now we know, right. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can make adjustments to that. Um, you know, you, you, another part of the mindset piece is understanding what you can do versus what you should be doing. Um, and I guess approaching it as an opportunity, right. To, to learn or do different things. You mentioned like work on your mobility, like you're all that time you weren't spending, mm-hmm. you know, doing this stuff. Now you have an opportunity to do it because you can't be quite maybe as active as you were before. Um, and then also wrapping your head around like, okay, while I am doing this, certain things could change, right? My strength overall may dit- dissipate a little bit, but if I do the work right now, mm-hmm. like it's not going to be go away forever. Right. No. It, like my cardiovascular is going to drop off sort of kind of very rapidly, but my strength is going to stick around for two to three weeks. We know that mm-hmm. this is kind of what the science tells us, right? Like over a few days, yeah, your endurance is going to drop off. Like that's a very adaptive system it it changes very rapidly versus the, the strength components where, you know, I could go two or three weeks without lifting weights or doing that. My, my same weightlifting or uh, resistance training routine. And when I walk back in, Relative strength should be about the same, right? It will start to fall off, yes, but having to take a week down is not a death it's sentence. Not going to kill you. It won't. Yeah. It's not going to change. It's not going to kill you. Uh, it might really be tough for your head, right? Don't th-
1: be emotional about your workout. Right? right. As you so, say. Yeah. So let's
0: <laughs> let's stop doing that, and let's mm-hmm. let's really start to kind of uh, take the time to to make sure we're moving to the right mindset. And again, be aware that okay, taking a couple weeks off of this this particular type of strength training is not going to kill me, mm-hmm. but it's also an opportunity to apply this other type of strength training that I could gain a ton of benefit from in the meantime. And obviously we cannot go through every joint because, you know, in every human, because all of these things are very specific. So mm-hmm. when you say, Hey, so what would you do if you had a wrist injury? All of this shit is really hypothetical, but um, the, the basis for approaching it really isn't it's, it really is kind of almost a format. It's almost a formula. Of you know, kind of under, again. We we we've talked through it. Like first, understand what your injury is. Mm-hmm. Like know what that is. Two, don't assu- don't make any assumptions. Like stop trying to be the doctor um, or the physician or the practitioner and be the injured person. Right? Don't assume because you've had a knee injury in the past that you've overcome that you're a knee expert now. Mm-hmm. Like I, this drives me fucking crazy. Like. I'll use the analogy with the dog, like, you know, you go out with the, I go out with the dog, like people are like, Oh, you know, I've had shepherds before. Yeah. Well, this is a Malinois. Yeah. But they're, they're pretty much the same. And, you know, and I've had four of them and whatever else. Like, well, first off, it's not the same, even the same fucking breed. Number secondly, like every dog is different third, I don't fucking care. Like, you know, like, why are you telling me all this? Like the person has the ACL injury, you know, and gets the ACL surgery. And then all of a sudden they're an ACL Mm -hmm. fucking expert because Mm -hmm. they've been through the process. Every process is different. Different, Every process is different. So understand that as the person coming in, um, get to know the person that you're working with, right. And establish a plan and a foundation for how you're going to move forward Mm -hmm. on these specific things don't stop moving unless obviously it's contraindicated and very few of the things that we see in the gym are contraindicated Mm -hmm. to, or movement would be a contraindication to, uh, there's plenty of other things you can be doing when, with you got a bum leg, you know, or a bum arm or wrist or hand. Uh, the, the one thing, the one thing that uh, I could say that that would be a real limiting factor and kind of counter what I just said are the head injuries, the closed head stuff that yes. we see, concussions specifically. That, those can be very limiting, and that's kind of a different deal. <laughs> um, but you know, when we're talking about you know a, a lot of the basic stuff that we see, cumulative traumas, acute joint traumas, or you know, or bone the
1: kinds of tissue yeah, yeah, the stuff
0: that most people go through when they work out on a regular basis. They're out on the trail run, fucking roll that ankle, mm-hmm. right? They they roll that ankle, uh, and now they're like, oh my god. I can't trail run anymore or whatever. Great. Go lift some fucking weights now. Right. That's what you should have been doing. Or maybe if you were
1: doing that, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't have rolled that ankle. Or maybe you'll come back a lot faster from that. So.
0: Exactly. So get yourself in front of somebody that can formulate a plan for you and help you and walk you through the plan. And it also is going to push you in ways that maybe you hadn't thought of pushing yourself. Um I think intention is a huge piece of this, right? Like just cause you're going through the movement of the exercise doesn't mean you're getting the most benefit out of it, but help have somebody oh, help, so true. help you through that and also not sign off on your bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it just, just, really hurts today. Really? Does it hurt? Mm-hmm. Let's compare it to how it hurt two weeks ago. Does it hurt that bad? Or is there being willing, having somebody on your team mm-hmm. that isn't going to, going to, going to sign off on your nonsense. Yep, Yep.
1: And as far as like, you know, going back to hurt and thresholds of pain. I mean, maybe you didn't sleep well the night before. And so you're a little bit more sensitive. And the other thing is, so what are the signs that we're seeing when you're saying that that's hurting? So are you having increased swelling? Because if you have having increased swelling and that's hurting that's at the same probably time, the result. then the you've probably done the too much, right? Yeah. Right. So being aware of, of um, the, the signs as well as just taking in the symptoms.
0: Yeah. So and don't be a hero. Also, don't. So at the, on the other side of the, the coin, don't be afraid to ask for help. help. Like. It, I get it. You're, you're a tough guy, right? You've been through all these things in life. You're an athlete. You were, you're, you're in this profession, you know, whatever Uh, you'll get through it. I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, Particularly if this is something that's recurring, which I see is kind of insane to me. People have the same stuff over and over and over again. And then they finally come to us when they can't do anything anymore. They've been debilitated, so to speak. And then like, what was going on the whole time? Well, I was doing this and you know, I kind of did that or, you know, my physician told me to do this and I really didn't do it. You know, I did this other thing over here and they're just constantly like, it's, it's insanity, right. Expecting a different, doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. expecting a different result. So um, having somebody on your team that can, that can coach you through that is extremely important. Um, And then also at the end of the day, being smart about when you are like, I guess being able to self-assess, like where am I really in the process? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel great. So now I feel great today. So I'm going to go back to the trail running today uh, versus ramping back into your program in a, in an appropriate way. So maybe you were working out five, six days a week. And because of your limitation, now you're down to three days a week, waking up one day and saying, Oh, I feel great. <laughs> not smart. <laughs> right. And then jumping right back from the frying pan into the fire is not, and not a an intelligent way to approach your program, I think having a coach or having somebody on your team that can help you through that can be extraordinarily helpful. But I see that being a culprit for people's chronic issues is they're constantly trying to jump back into the game a little quick, mm-hmm. um, rather than going through these kind of evaluation processes. And as an athletic trainer, I'm sure you had those, like oh, you worked with the strength coach, like hey. There's, we're measuring mm-hmm. like, yep. and we're managing because we can measure, we there's, can, we can, if we can manage it or measure it, we can manage it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So there's always the quantitative and the qualitative.
0: I think it's a good point. Like, okay, I have this many degrees, more range of motion. I'm back to normal range. Let's mm-hmm. say what my previous range is or equal to my other knee, if that's, what we're talking right. about knee flexion to extension or, or, or whatever
1: measurements, right. For muscle, muscle, um, mass.
0: Right. But how do I feel? Right. How is my performance? Like, how am I recovering? Uh, where is my confidence level? Um, you know, are there points during the day where it's more fatigued than other points during the day? Because I might feel really fresh going into my workout, but I, I work out in the morning and it feels fresh. But I go through my day and I get to the end of the day and I'm, I'm not fresh. I'm, I'm fatigued. I don't have that endurance. I don't have that strength. That qualitative stuff, mm-hmm. um, I think, is is uh, is extraordinarily important. These are I think these are just things that get lost on people when they're trying to come back to 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 get active again. And it's the things that people don't think about when they haven't been through this stuff before. They're like, just make me better. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I do this, I go step through one through five, I should be better. Right. <laughs> and then they get frustrated when they're not, uh, or they go, Hey, well, the guy in the white lab coat with the name tag on that had MD at the end of it said, this was, this is the way it should be. So this is the way it's going to be like, this is no, no doctor said this. So this is okay. So that is also a recipe for failure and disaster. If you're, if you have unrealistic expectations, expectations, um, if you're, if you have those expectations about your outcomes, um, you're probably setting yourself up a fair. Again, there's the nuance of the, this, the, the, the principles of specificity, individuality, mm-hmm. how your body is going to respond to certain things. Yep. What was the severity of your injury? Not everything is the same. And there's a lot of other factors that go into there, but, uh, I, I I think we've covered some, some, some basic points. Mm -hmm. Um, And so again, it's not like how to come back from a shoulder injury. Anybody that's trying to handle that, you know, like specifically in this kind of a format without having an individual with a very individual situation to talk about, um, it's not going to be the same for everybody. So just because your buddy had an ACL replacement and did these things, doesn't mean it's going to be
1: the same for you,
0: the same for you. So it's not a cookie cutter. It never is. And that's why I read out. we don't do any cookie cutter shit. Like, it's like, who are you? Where are you coming from? What's going on? What's your history? Um, Where do you want to go? When do you need to be there? All right, let's do an assessment. Let's do an evaluation. Let's come up with a plan. If we need to go out to somebody else, we're going to, we're going to go out to somebody else. And I think if you don't get somebody on your team that's working with you in that capacity, um, I'd be looking for a new team.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.